Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the USL show sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, your home for men's and women's national team USL and MLS scarves, as well as custom scarves for your club or personal use. Check them out, roughneckscarves.com. Uh, this podcast is also produced by the Beautiful Game Network of Podcasts, which we are very proud to be a part of. Definitely check the whole network out at BGNFM, as well as on the Twitters at the BGNFM. I am your host, as always, Evan Vola, joined by, uh, there's sometimes my soccer colleagues, sometimes my soccer acquaintances, but they're always my soccer friends. And for the next hour or so, I will be your moderator, host, or maybe even your facilitator of a discussion of, uh, what is this, week seven, week eight? Of the USL season, week seven. Uh, joining me this week, we have uh, it is the the man that puts the show in show notes. It's Ryan Allen. Good morning from Glasgow. Week yeah, I seven. forgot to say our international correspondent. I apologize. <laughs> week seven but, matches the same amount of titles Celtic have won in a row, which they just wrapped up this weekend. Sorry if we have any Rangers fans. Uh, it's uh. I, Honestly, he means just as much to Las Vegas Lights as Chalice in terms of coaching uh, last week. Um, it's our good friend from Switching Play Soccer, among other things. It's Carson Merck. Hey, buddy. That's a high honor, man. And I told you it was almost time for me to take a selfie with the llamas last week. I was I was crouched down. I was ready to take the picture, and I just I couldn't bring myself to do it. Was it for, like, fear of the llamas, or what was the... It was for fear of, I guess, judgment of myself. I think that's mm. that's a path mm. to go down it. It's it's gonna lead to I don't know what else, but not good things, I imagine. And uh, and joining us for the first time is uh, one half of, uh, as as he likes to put it, they get drunk and then just kind of wing it. But it's it's one half of Texas Soccer Radio, Larry Leathers. Larry, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on tonight, guys. Appreciate yeah, no it. No problem. No problem. Uh, guys, things happen. Oh, I should mention that we will eventually, at some point, I think, be joined by Pony. He's having headset issues and things like that. Um, and then real quick, just to plug before I get into the news, we did a show uh, yesterday with our power rankings for May with uh, Brady Ballou, who used to play for Tulsa um, and is, a, is an analyst for them this year. It's good stuff. You should give it a listen. And I, I don't always say that because I don't always necessarily think that we we do really, really good shows, but that was definitely one of them. So um, definitely check that one out. Anyway, news and things happened. Um, oh, man, where to start? These are all fun. I, I guess we'll start with this. Um, Real Monarchs SLC opened up their stadium. Zion Bank Stadium, um, and for a club that does pretty much everything you can on the field, right? This is like the last piece of the puzzle, I think, for them to be one of the model franchises in in USL, um, and which is kind of crazy because they're a, a two team technically. Yeah, I mean, it was very encouraging to see their ownership invest a lot of money because they're also partnering the former FC Kansas City and WSL side to play in this stadium and in Rio Tinto as well. But it's very encouraging to see ownership groups investing money into this team. And it definitely seems like Real Monarchs will be positioning themselves to stay in D2 rather than drop down to D3, like many of the other MLS2 sides will that Real Monarchs are wanting to play at the highest level possible and that they have the facilities mm -hmm. now to back it up. Yeah, they almost operate like an independent team, even though they are a two-team. You know, great new stadium, look good on the broadcast. Um, they've continually brought in whether it's young players or just talented players in general. So it's uh, it's definitely nice to see a two team that is taken seriously as its own entity rather mm. than hey, here's some of our old soccer balls and old jerseys. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, Larry, your your thoughts as a, as a guy that follows San Antonio pretty closely, who's kind of an interesting case study because they're technically, a, I guess, a one point five with the relationship with New York City, but they're, you know, for all intents and purposes, kind of in the same boat where they are pretty much just an independent club. I mean, they they've the stadium's a nice thing to have, you know. It's it's mm -hmm. a it's a good thing to have in your back pocket there, especially if they decide to make a push for MLS here down the road in the next round of expansion. Um, We've got our own stadium here, and 
there really hasn't been that much for the way of San Antonio when it comes to affiliation with NYCFC. We haven't seen that much back and forth between it. Um, it's been mostly a professional relationship. So yeah, 1.5 is probably the way, right way to call it for us. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, there's still a two team. Sure. First no, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, that's it's nice to see them operate differently, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and, and I think all of us at some point, whether it be on a podcast or just kind of, you know, through chats or things like that, have mentioned, you know, how interesting it is, at least, that the impact that even just, you know, if you have a two team, moving them out a little bit farther and naming them something else has in terms of maybe kind of uh, dampening that hostility, which isn't the right word, but kind of that, I don't know, um, remorse that some people or that some fans or that even some players have in terms of playing these MLS two sides. It's good to see the separation and that it's probably a good move yeah. on their part to, to move them out and, and get them a little bit spaced out from the MLS side of the, of the, the pairing there. Um, yeah. I, I wish more two teams would do that. It'd be nice yep. to see them have their own identity in the, in the league. Speaking of, good segues, everybody. That was solid. Uh, MLS trademarks, oh, and I'm not good with my Virginia townships. Loudoun United? Or, or I, I would imagine that's what it is. But uh, that's allegedly going to be the name of DC United's USL side. It's coming in next year, I think. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it, you know, like you said, it's, it's a two it's a two-team. Uh, but they're going to play as a 1.5 kind of deal where they will be, you know, the two side for DC United. I think DC has seen what the, the MLS clubs right around them in Philly and New York and the ones that they're always compared to in Philly and New York have done, you know, in terms of even just having a USL side and seeing the benefits that that has. And, and now DC is going to come into the league. Chances Dane Kelly is the leading scorer of that team in 2019 are high. <laughs> are very high. <laughs> I mean, is, if, yeah, as long if as they keep him out of the Central Conference, I'm okay with that. <laughs> what will probably mm, be the Central yeah, Conference? Yeah, I don't, I don't think coming in twenty be. in the next year. Yeah, I, I would imagine put him in the Central Conference. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I St. Louis should just move every year, regardless. Like you know, you move him to the Central Conference next year, and then the year after, you put him in the East, and then throw him back in the West, and just just really make it make it a lot harder than it has to be for everybody. And then they, the Harlem Globetrotters of the league. Yeah, and they can oh, tell yeah. they can tell old stories of like, oh, back when we were in the Eastern Conference, and <laughs> right, right, back in the Western right. Conference. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, and you'll be like, well, was that the one two years ago or the one like five years ago? And they'll be like, whichever, you know. Yeah, it's both like, for sure. People will be happy. It'll be like promotion and relegation for them, right? Just for them. Yeah, just for about, them. yeah, just like them. pretty much specifically for them. Sponsored. Hey, um. Pony, can can we hear you? Can you hear us? Um, I can hear you guys now. That was a problem before. All right, great. No, we're good, I, guys. It's yeah, I had uh, to reboot. USL's version of of Rainbow Dash. Yeah, I have no idea uh, where we are, but let's roll with it. We we are just talking about um, DC United's trademark for Loudon United, which is their uh, supposed right. MLS two side team name. Okay. I don't know. It's a thing. Uh. And then, guys, if, if we're all looking for jobs uh, in, in USL, I, I should I should have phrased that better. There's a COO listing for a job in Des Moines, Iowa um, for, for potentially a USL franchise. I hope they're called something with agriculture because that's really the only thing that happens in Iowa or like well, barns. Well, they've got the menace right now. What, PDL team, okay. right? So yeah. if they move them up, who knows? I mean, they may still be the menace there. What's so menacing about Iowa, though? The corn, the cornfields. Okay. Yeah, the, the corn husks when they get they get tall, man. That's serious business. Children that's of the true. corn signs. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say it's a very like Stephen King, like call them the Des Moines children of the corn, or like the the Des Moines parents are evil or something. That'd be really solid. You could get the a youth market going with that really quick. Themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Lot of lot of opportunities. So if anyone wants to be the chief uh, chief operating officer, send in your resumes. I guess it's always funny to me that like things leak because of job listings. <laughs> Happens all the time. It seems like a very <laughs> amateur thing to have happen, though. It's so funny. 
I mean, you got to hire people before you can start making. It's very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just I don't know. I, I in my head, I'm always like, oh, there's probably a back channel for that, and then it's like, nope, no, there's not. It kind of reminds me of Family Guy when they find Batman's cave and he's like, yeah, you had them build like a lazy Susan for your car. Like, you didn't think somebody would talk about this? Like, you're posting a job listing for a team. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) And then uh, we're not going to talk about the other two things just because we have to talk about that game that got played between those two teams. So we'll get into that. Let me get back up to results. Uh, Ryan, there's a bunch of red cards. Can you talk about that real quick while I stall? Great. Yeah, so it definitely seems like there's been a lot more red cards being shown in the league. Pretty much up, uh, up to this point, there have now been 21 teams out of the 33 currently playing in USL that have seen red cards with Tulsa currently leading the way with four. It just seems like there has been a lot more fouls this year, particularly out in the West Coast. You've seen to rack up at least six combined yellow cards per match. And a lot of these red cards tend to not be straight red cards, although there was one earlier today in the Ottawa fixture that was a straight red, and we'll talk about that when we get to that Ottawa match. But a lot more of these red cards have tend to be more just second yellows or just accumulation of fouls. And it's just one thing I've noticed moving on towards the season that fouling has at least become a lot more prevalent in both conferences. Actually, that was the exact opposite. I've seen a lot more straight red cards for really dumb and violent plays this season than I have in the past. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just watching the right games. Yeah, I think most (laughs) of the reds I've seen have been at least just second yellows, and that seems to be a lot more prevalent in the Eastern Conference, where it's the straight reds or more prevalent in the West, I believe. I mean, at least no one's gotten a second yellow for taking their shirt off after they hit a PK yet. So, I guess we'll eventually. Yeah, once that happens. It's early in the season still. It's true. It's true. We have plenty of time. Anyway, uh, guys, week seven has already happened in USL. And in fact, today we started week eight, which is why I was confused, I think. So let's talk about these week seven results. Uh, the first game of the weekend, Richmond 2, Toronto FC 2-1, meaning Richmond scored twice and the Junior Reds scored once. It was uh, Aiden Daniels for Toronto that scored in the ninth minute. Udaya Murra counters in the 11th. And then uh, Brandon o- Connor Oconee. Um two teams that uh, aren't probably not going to be great. I want to say that kind of politically correct. So two teams that, that don't have really high expectations, um, but a, a decently entertaining match and, and Richmond probably does well here to come away with three points. But, you know, like we said yesterday on the, on the power rankings, these teams don't necessarily inspire a whole lot of excitement. Yeah, I think both have potential to at least show up any given day. We've seen Richmond, especially at home, play really well. Toronto, they're going to get a win eventually here. They're too good to go for too long winless. Someone's going to come in, take them lightly, and they're going to steal a win from them. I do think out of the winless sides currently in the Eastern Conference, they're they're the ones that I would peg as the next most likely to get one. It's like being the best of them. Yeah. RGVFC two, Orange County nil in a in a upset, so to speak. Um, Carson, what's what's up? What happened? That was nice. It was a nice result after a road trip of three straight losses. And they finally got their first win of the season. Definitely an upset. Um, I had mentioned maybe an article the week before, or two weeks before, that RGV could use a player like Memo Rodriguez, who signed with the Dynamo, to kind of jumpstart the offense. Uh, they had Memo Rodriguez on loan from the Dynamo. So um, you kind of saw what he could do. He scored uh, the goal, first goal, and then uh, him and Max Steves both played well um, coming down from the Dynamo from the first team. So, yeah, definitely a good result. I was hoping for a win but wasn't overly optimistic, but I was I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they flesh out that because I think those are two guys, Rodriguez, and and especially Max Steves, who might not break into into the um, Dynamo proper, um, or at least wouldn't be guys that I would think would be first names on the sheet. Although, like, I wouldn't be terribly surprised to see him on the bench. Um, but you know, definitely guys that because they have that partnership with RGV that could really you know develop well in in USL and get some pro minutes. And yeah. then we had this game. <laughs> <laughs> the one you've been waiting for. 
the oh man this is this is this was strange um and i'm glad that larry and carson are here because they know both these teams pretty well um las vegas won san antonio three fine yeah uh, fine. this included a, a go, for go ahead go ahead yeah finally pulling uh, I mean, out a win eight, eight minute red card to, to really top everything off So it was definitely, it was definitely, I would, I would almost say it was crazy. And I don't know if you guys know Spanish very well, but another, the word for crazy in Spanish is loco, like soccer loco. So, Hey, good man. man. <laughs> I was going to plug our sponsors because he yeah. can do it for me. Just had to make it go in. But no, that, that match was, I was, I was live and in the flesh and it was, it's pretty intense. It, it got a little weird there in the second half, but um, as I wrote it, it was kind of Vegas going back to what we saw in the preseason. Uh, they were horrendous against the counterattack. Mm. Goalkeeping was a little sporadic, you could say, but I don't know. I know it was like a natural reaction for everyone to tweet me when the suspensions came down. They're like, hey, what <laughs> happened? I felt really accomplished as a writer and a reporter, and I was yeah. there like, 50 feet away and had no idea what happened. So um, it was it was a hostile crowd, to say the least. There was mm. not nice words said to everyone involved, but um, Flavor Flay was there, which was which was pretty cool. That, that added to the excitement. But, yeah, it was, was kind of crazy. I'm sure Larry has, has some takeaways as well. I mean, it was a hell of a game. And, it it you know, when you talk about you were going back to the preseason, we were going back to last season because really up till now we haven't seen a whole lot of counterattacking out of San Antonio. Um, we've been confident and, and comfortable playing the ball out of the back, and that really hasn't seemed to work so well for us. Um, but this game, the counterattack was strong and ready and willing, and it got the job done. Um, the hostile environment definitely came across on on television for sure. Um, between all those those stoppages for bottles and stuff being thrown on the field, seriously. Um, I know I saw some talk on Twitter that they were somebody had said that the game was in danger of actually being stopped for the evening at one point. So, yeah, no, it was a hell of an environment and a hell of a game. Yeah, Vegas is still just the, the confusing team to me by far. If you look at their stats, the team you think wins every game has lost every game basically for Vegas. It's almost like if you just look at the numbers, the worst teams won every time. Even this one from Ryan Hess says Vegas led in shots and lost three to one, which has been basically the reverse of every other game. The team who has less shots always wins. And this is probably the first time all season Vegas has been not great at converting their chances, at least their shots on goal. I think they've had over 50% shots on goals scored up to this point. This probably knocks them out of that. Well, let's remember who's in goal for for San Antonio here. We've got Diego Restrepo, 2017 USL goalkeeper goalkeeper of the year here. So, I mean, he's 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 good at his job. He does yeah, what he does well. He's decent. You also had a pretty strong uh, acting job there when uh, <laughs> a lights player got close enough to hit his leg and – he went down for a while, which, you know, that soccer and everyone around us was kind of looking like, is he okay? And I was like, he didn't, he didn't even touch his leg at all. I <laughs> you. And he doesn't, he doesn't look like a great goalkeeper. Like he, he's built like I am, which is a little, little round around the edges, but he's mm. great reaction saves and, and he seems to control the area well. So, I mean, um, if you, if you really look at him, yeah, he's a little on the smaller side. Obviously, I would prefer somebody that's a little bit larger, but he does he does what he well does what he does well in the in the goal there. Um, he's very good at selling things, and he does waste time from from time to time. <laughs> it does happen, so that's that's nothing I don't expect out of him. Um, it happens fairly often, to be honest. But he's a good goalkeeper, and he gets the job done most of the time. So it's hard to complain about it, even though the time wasting can be frustrating at some point. Mm. Um, Carson, real quick before we move on, you literally could have said your figure was anything. Yeah, uh, and you decided to be to be honest and say your little your little. You know, it's, so it's just all about all about accepting your truth and, and being fair honest. enough, man. And like Charles Barkley said, "Round is a shape," so I'm cool. Okay, all right, I, I appreciate it. Um, the good news was Charlotte and Indy realized that they could not, in any way, shape, or form, match what just happened 
against you know Las Vegas and San Antonio. So they decided let's play to a, a nil-nil draw, and they did. Um, <laughs> two teams that probably would have liked to win, or I, I don't want to say needed a win because it's only April at this point, but you know, early season points are important. And sure, you know, I don't think Indy will be too upset that they got a draw to Charlotte because Charlotte is a, a decently hard team to figure out. Um, but, you know, three points are so much better than one. I got to stop you right there really quick. Can you please do me a favor and send yeah. a tweet out to all of the San Antonio fans and remind them that it's only April? Because all of our people are completely content panicking after two games into the season. <laughs> yeah, let's not do that. That's not great. <laughs> Everyone, just deep breath in, in and out. You know, they're still fine. Oh, yeah. I, I know that. I, and and Kyle has been pre- preaching that as well. That it's it's still early. We said come back and talk to us in you know June or July, and we'll see about panicking. But. Man, so people like, have been what, content really quick to panic in San Antonio. Like, what could possibly be the worst case for San? Like, you guys know that you're just like a playoff team, right? Uh, we should be, right? Like, <laughs> what, this like is how the turning point. This is the playoffs. Uh, like, I understand the results haven't been there quite yet, but I mean, you know, you beat Vegas, and and it's again like this is we're recording on May the second. It's it's a bigger than you know we want we won one game that's a step in the positive problem uh, sure. positive direction, but up till this point and week to week it's been nothing but panic in San Antonio soccer Twitter land, um, because we're not getting goal we're not getting goals we're not getting wins we everybody expected us to come out that guy left for and, that NPSL team <laughs> oh yeah it's oh the tear pack situation. <laughs> <laughs> We going down that road right now. I know we uh, got the shirt. Yeah, I, I mean, we can you know, save you it for said, later. Uh, right before we started recording, that you know, and this is the way it is for a lot of clubs in USL, or, or if not all of them, honestly, that you know, basically, unless the league makes you say something, you're not really. No one owes anyone an explanation, really. You know. Um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting situation. Sure. Yeah, you're right. It's a lot of it is speculation. Um, the most curious part about it to me is that less than an hour after the announcement came out from San Antonio that Chris Tierpak had moved, was separating from the team, um, an announcement briefly went up from Miami right. less than an hour later saying that he had joined them and then it was promptly taken down and then didn't pop back up again for another day or two. Yeah. Um, you know, 45 minutes after announcement, he clearly already had some sort of deal in place. The question now is how long ago did he make contact with his yeah. old Austin Aztecs coach and set something up here. Um, may explain some of his behavior when he got his red card and what got his suspension in the Fresno game because mm. he stormed off the field before they'd even thrown the card. Mm. Um, the headband was off and he was headed to the locker room, making his way that direction. Um, looks super frustrated and maybe I, I speculating here, but maybe that's because his next game, the game in Las Vegas was going to be his last game. Yeah. Um, they were on a road trip. They did stay on the uh, the West Coast the entire time for the Fresno game and the Las Vegas game. Um, you wouldn't take a player with you out to Fresno to play if he was just planning on leaving you, you know, yeah. after that game. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, think Miami, should have, they should have been a little more cryptic and just posted, like, a picture of a hanging headband like he wears, like, with Miami yeah. Cup, like, not said anything official, and then, you know, just left it, left it to the imagination. That like, a, cool. like a crying emoji and then like a like a, a pack of tissues or something. <laughs> and, anyway. and, and now he's in Miami. Now he's coming out shooting there. He played his first match the other night against the Jacksonville Armada. Got man of the match by the end of it. So I mean, he's, he's showing right. up. Yeah, he's doing fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then North Carolina put three past Penn FC, which is probably not the not the last time we'll say that a team put three goals in on Penn FC. But um, I've always been a fan of Kyle Becker. I don't know why. Um, I've always kind of been a weird stand for Canadian national team guys. But uh, dude put in a, in a really good performance here. Um, Austin Deleuze scored. He, uh, Kyle Becker gets one. And then Daniel Rios. North Carolina goes up 3 nothing at home in the first half, and Penn FC just can't come back. Um which, you know, if you're looking for a way to beat any team, that's a really good start. But I, I think especially Penn FC, if you can get them down like two goals or so early, I don't know if they have enough to come back, even with Tommy Heidemann. 
This is probably North Carolina's best match of the season. I mean, a 3-0 victory. And they're currently in the middle of a four-match unbeaten run after starting the year here with three straight losses to Tampa, Richmond, and Indy 11 for them to come back and beat Charlotte. They have two somewhat disappointing draws against the Canadian sides, and they beat Penn in scoring I think, six goals in that time. And North Carolina FC is turned into at least a very strong starter to at least kind of turn around um, that really poor form that they had to start the season. And it will definitely be put to the test this weekend when they have to go on the road to FC Cincinnati. Yeah. Or sorry, on May 20th. So they'll have a bit of a break. Yeah. You said you don't think people are going to put three past Penn. I think that's a really good accomplishment. Penn had allowed three goals all season to this point. Granted, not against powerhouse teams, for scoring, but they had played really good lockdown defense. It was their first multi-goal game allowed. And this is pretty good for North Carolina because Penn is yep. kind of like kind of like Pittsburgh, except worse than everything. It's like Richmond very light. <laughs> Not Richmond, yeah. Rochester. Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pittsburgh light. They're like Pittsburgh light. See, I'm getting all those old guard guys confused now. You want to try but, that again or you're right? Did you have a stroke? I think I'm good. It's Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh light. Okay. All Pittsburgh right. very light. <laughs> Okay, Pittsburgh. But, it's like Natty Light, but lighter. Exactly. Uh, Natty Ultra okay, Light. Right. right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I think that's a good showing for North Carolina. No. Speaking of Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh won. Caps lock ATL space UTD space two. Zero. Um,. Pittsburgh continue to be really good at soccer. Now they finally figured out how to play Lily ball, which is exciting. Uh, and by that, I mean the opposite of exciting. Um, in that, you know, they only scored one goal. It was early. They bunkered and, and they got their three points. So that's good. Cause for a while I thought that we were going to have a lot of people get cut or whatever, because they were playing, you know, like, like two, too free and too attacking, but but here we are. They come back down the earth. They score one goal. Miles Robinson picks up a red card in the 82nd minute on a second yellow. And, you know, um, yeah, Pittsburgh's just really good. Impressive. Sorry, go ahead. I can imagine those practices after they scored multiple goals, like yes. literally like yelling at them, like, okay, I'm not sure who told you what was going to happen when you came right. here, right. but – we don't do that here around in the Steel City. It's one right. goal or nothing. Right. Like attaching like some weights to their legs, maybe like, hey, slow down. There's no need for all that running. Hunker what, down. What he does is, is he has two big tarps that he puts on the goal mouth, and he says anything that misses this is great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if it works. Logic. Like, right, right. He's like, if you put no it... goal at the other end, there's no goal at the other end of the pitch. Right, right. Don't worry about it. And then he snaps his fingers in the 88th minute and they go for it. Right, yeah. You know, he's like, if you guys put it into the river, you know, I'll give you an extra like $250 under the table or something. Allegedly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, anything's on the table at this point with how Las Vegas is compensating players. Yeah. <laughs> By inviting Flava Flav to show up or something. Well, and what? They're, they're giving him. Chips to the casino for wins, isn't it, right, Carson? Wait, well, I forgot about that. Well, thankfully, that was a remix. I'm forgetting it was, a it was a good investment in the plaza of hell. It's a win and three goals at home. Oh. They have not done yet. Oh, so, no one's gotten chips yet, Larry. Yeah, oh, they have like, a big board on the right behind the bench that has like a picture of the chips. I'm not sure why, but encouragement. Um, <laughs> <laughs> here's another funny thing going back to that match that I forgot. Yeah. So they typically sit away from the fans both benches are on the other side towards the middle of the baseball diamond yeah for whatever reason they decided to move the benches closer to the fans before the san antonio match and we we all know what happened so Chaos I, ensues. yeah so i was yeah. like yeah that may have backfired and i would be very surprised if the benches are next to the stands <laughs> on saturday <laughs> Um, guys, Ottawa Fury got beat by FC Cincinnati three nothing. Uh, since he scores twice in two minutes, Kenny Walker with the goal of the year. I'll just say it; doesn't matter. 
It was, uh, yeah. It, it's <laughs> there'll be a couple other close ones, but that one probably got it. There's at least one or two of those a year, but that was very, very impressive. I was really nervous because I know Callum Irving pretty well, and he's been the primary goalkeeper there. And I saw the highlight from a distance. I was kind of walking past, and I was like, please tell me it wasn't him. And I checked, and I was like, okay, it wasn't him. I was like, all right, <laughs> great, great goal, because I didn't want to celebrate it. You know, you don't want to see a friend get scored on like that. Right, right. Uh, yeah, it wasn't him. So I was like, ah, great goal. Goal of the year for sure. It's funny how the tables turn. I remember last year, Ottawa had a goal just very similar to that against Richmond last year. Stephen or sorry, DeSantos. Yeah, he scored that from long range. So it's weird that they had a goal of the year, basically last year, and to have it be scored up against them, and then give up two goals was within two minutes of that. They just it didn't look like it was their day, and FC Cincinnati was firing on all cylinders for that match. I think Ottawa had two like that last year. Yes, uh, Sione got another one that wasn't quite as far out, but was still from like thirty yards or something. He just really got a hold of one. Um, which makes me think that, I think like, he scored one of those like that. Yeah, Ottawa should like put that into their like marketing campaign. It's like Ottawa Fury, come watch some guy score from way too far away. Maybe I was, I was gonna <laughs> say they should put in their marketing campaign, like Ryan said, it wasn't Ottawa's day. That should be the on the cover of the 2018 program. Like, <laughs> oh, Ottawa yeah. Fury, today is not our day, right? Ottawa Fury, <laughs> maybe next week. We don't know. <laughs> Ottawa plays good in the first half. They do. It's true. They had a very then good first In the second half. half, they completely fall apart. They had a very game. bad second half. It happened today as well. It's true. Yeah. I say that, but it's just, this is what I kind of wanted to see from Cincinnati, though. Yeah. Because they've been an odd team throughout the year. I think they're referring to the 2016 selves where they, they beat everyone they're supposed to beat and they can't beat the top teams. I think it's going to be the same thing this year. But it's nice to see them take care of business against who they need to take care of business with, especially coming off a couple non-wins. Guys, I, I hate having to announce scores for these games. So I'm going to try this. The team that plays in USL in Toronto scored no goals. The team that plays in USL, sometimes in Harrison, New Jersey, but most of the time in New York State, also scored zero goals for a nil-nil draw between Toronto FC 2 and New York Red Bulls 2. There we go. Okay. I didn't confuse myself, and that's all that matters. There was uh, five people at this game. <laughs> Did the game really happen if nobody was there to see it? Um, I mean, more people watched it, <laughs> Ryan, on the international YouTube stream. I had that set up on my laptop to show the five matches that were going on at the same time of like the Atlanta, ma- Atlanta Pittsburgh, the Charlotte Indy match, Charleston Tampa. Um, I think this one, and then there was I think you throw in Cincinnati as well, and I. Once it got to, it was nearly that my laptop was going to freeze. And this was the first match that I sacrificed to get rid of, to focus on the other four. It was just, it, New York Red Bull was just like an odd team. They've had three consecutive draws recently, basically no, no results against the Canadian teams and a one, one draw against Lowe's Yet this is all coming off the heels of getting a five, no result against Tampa at home. And I feel like they're, they should be performing better than what they actually are. They're just not performing to how they should be and i don't know how they're still third in the eastern conference at the moment mm, mm. yeah who was the kid they had a few years ago is the anatole Labong? i think they need yep. to bring him back yeah i don't know where he ended up I, he I, did, but I forgot i think he's in europe somewhere yeah he was solid yeah he was but they're very like like ryan said they're super confusing yeah, like to, to score goals like they did in a couple of matches, and then completely poo the bed in other ones against teams that, by all accounts, they probably should score against is a bit mm-hmm. strange. You know, and I I think that's that rings true for Charleston and Tampa because Charleston get a one nil. I mean, Tampa on the road again, proving that they're not a good road team. Really, that's why they're the rowdies, not the roadies. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Larry you talked about how how you you know I mean do you do you see I, I know it's a huge league. Do you see a whole lot of, of Tampa or is you know is this one of those things where you think the kind of the old guard teams have an advantage over over you know other teams at home or, or what is this? 
you know, I honestly, I, I wish I had more time to watch a lot of these games because most of these games, I, I just don't have the time in the day to watch. That's fair. So I didn't get to see too much of these things. <laughs> yeah, and apparently USL has decided to try to help you out by starting games at ridiculous times this week, but we'll we'll get to that in a minute. Um. Yeah. Again, Tampa Bay. You know, I th- they won what like one game on the road earlier this year, or drew one, and you were like, "All right, they figured it out." And then this happens, and you're like, "Maybe not." Um. Yeah, a weird one. I mean, really good win for Charleston. They'll be happy with that. But Tampa. Again, it's early. We just talked about that. It's only it's only May, but Tampa's got to figure that out if they want to if they want to take home that that USL Cup. I know our, our friends at Unused Sub said they think their window is kind of closing for that. And this this is a good year to to go out and try to get a USL Cup. I mean, from their four mat- road matches they've done on the season, they've only had one win, and that was their three one result against North Carolina FC in the first match of the season on the road. Mm-hmm. Since then, they've lost one nil to Louisville, five nil to. New that's York right. and one nil to Charleston. So that's giving up seven goals in the past three yeah. road matches. Where if you preface that with the, the most recent home matches they've had, it was two nil against Real Monarchs, five nil against Ottawa, and then two nil against Bethlehem Steel. So it's just like night and day between the two sides of how they can play at home and on the road. Yeah. Yeah. And they're a really experienced team. So you're kind of—it's kind of to me—it's surprising they play so poorly on the road. You yeah. would almost expect a young team to struggle on the road, but um, they have like five guys in their mid thirties, and maybe the maybe the travel is not good on the old bones. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Tampa Bay at home—I think you could say it's the best team in the league. Even yep. Tampa Bay on the road probably wouldn't make the playoffs. If they played every game there. I think at this point you pencil them into for playoffs. They stay until they play on the road. When they play on the road, they go home. And that's what it's going to be. They have to hope for getting the one seed or having the better guys get upset early. Although I do believe Tampa will have a chance to improve their home standing their next two matches this weekend and next week can come against Penn FC and Richmond. And there's definitely a chance for a good result against Penn FC. Richmond may be a bit trickier since they do play well at home. I mean, even if they can just go out of their way and get points in a few of those road matches, keep winning their home matches... They should be in good shape. They should at least qualify for the playoffs at the end of the season. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I think finishing worse than fourth is a surprise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Louisville 3, Steel 1. Uh, Cameron Lancaster continues to be, for my money, one of the best players in the league with probably not enough fanfare about that because on his day, he's phenomenal. Um, and uh, Ilya Illich scores in the in the 17th kind of sandwich those goals uh honestly you know good for bethlehem to score a goal marcus epps gets one in the 44th um they still need to finish more i know it's really hard to play in louisville but the the positive here is you didn't give up a goal in the second half against well for for what 70 minutes almost against a really good louisville team um you know and maybe part of that is they're already up three nothing they're going to kind of pack it in a little bit but you know, Steel play Richmond this weekend again um, for the last time this season, and I, I think they'd be really hard done to not get a not get a win at home there. But that's just me. Louisville City is just incredible; they really are. They're a hell of a team. Yeah, yeah. Louisville is probably the best team in the league still. Bethlehem, I think it's a buy low team. They're yeah. they're far better than the record says right now. They've played a lot of hard games and yeah. got some bad breaks in those games too. So if they're not hanging around the playoffs at the end of the season, I think that's going to be a disappointment for them. They're still that good. They're gonna yeah. they're gonna surprise some casuals who go, "Why did I just lose to a one one win team?" Right, right. Yeah, uh, Larry, is is that a similar thing where you you'd rather you know? And it's a little different because I, I guess because San Antonio's reputation at, at this point's you know a lot higher than Steel's. Would you rather play a lot of those harder teams in your conference and and lose or get draws and at least be close than you know maybe face a lot of the the not as good or like the lower table teams early in the season and then face a lot of the big names kind of back to back at the end? I think at this point in this season, seeing some more of those stronger teams toward the end would probably behoove our team. Okay. Um, 
we seem to be having a problem finding our our identity on our attack right now. And right. obviously the Las Vegas game seemed like a step in the right direction, and it was also a step backwards. We looked like we weren't going to be as much of a counterattacking team this year, um, but the counterattack worked this week. Um, we'll see what they decide to roll out this week against Fresno, um, and if we see more of that, and that's what uh, Darren Powell decides to roll out with the team, he seems to be completely content with having those 1-0 wins or taking the draws and just getting the point um, as long as it gets you to the playoffs at the end of the season. And I can't really blame him for that. As long as you make it, then you got a yeah. chance. Um, yeah. Obviously, we want to make sure we're at least getting a point every time we play. But sure. right now we need some of those easy matchups to get it done. It yeah. seems and, and, and figure out what we've got to go, got going on up front. Mm-hmm. The attack is just a mess at the moment. And Vegas is actually, they've gone the route of playing a lot of the tougher teams in the beginning of the season as well. Mm-hmm. Obviously San Antonio, we assume is going to be pretty good. Uh, Real Monarch, Sacramento, Swope yep. Park. Yep. Uh, so they, they kind of got a lot of those tough teams out of the way early and came away Pretty decent results. Uh, they had a, yeah. a cold storm on goal and got a win against Swope. So, uh, yeah, they it, it definitely there's benefits to both. There's benefits to building your confidence, them playing them later on, and then there's also the trial by fire. If we can compete with them, yeah. we can with anyone get it out of the way almost in a little bit too. I think. Yeah. You know. Um, speaking of uh, getting a point every time you play. Um, Kyle Grieg apparently believes in that philosophy as well, Larry. Um, St. Louis steals a point here from, from Swope Park. Um, I hope you didn't want to watch the. I, I hope like in a way that you did a lot of things from like the fifth minute to about the 85th minute and then kind of watch the game in between those two time periods. Haji Berry scoring in the third minute, Kyle Grieg scoring in the 88th. Um, Man, I'm glad that St. Louis is in the East because they have a lot more travel, and I just think they're a really tough out. I mean, we 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 came to the same result when we played Swope Park one one. Right. It's they're a tough team. So is St. Louis. We played them. We uh, we beat St. Louis at the beginning of the season, um, but they're a hell of a team as well. So it's I, I'm confident taking the point. If I can get the point on the road, I'm good with that. And I would be with both of them too. Like we, we've been saying all night, it's early in the season. Getting a point on the road is better than not getting anything at all. Keep plugging away. You'll figure it out if you can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, interestingly, um, St. Louis is currently on a five-match unbeaten run, and they've scored exactly one goal in each of their seven matches this year. Yeah. I, I want to say St. Louis had a save off the line from a defender too in this game. So I think right. this was the match. So they they got in some in some sense lucky to get away with the point, especially against Swope Park, who's always that really dangerous, somehow middle of the table West team. They know yeah. how to put on a show, that's for sure. They do, yeah. Nothing else. <laughs> uh Orange County won Colorado Springs nil. Aiden Quinn converts a penalty in the sixth minute, and then back and forth from there, I suppose. Um, Colorado Springs is just such a weird team to try to figure out is my, is my early 2018 takeaway. They still currently occupy a playoff spot, having played nine in matches with 10 points. And they're currently sitting eighth in the um, Western conference. Yeah, I could see them fixing it. They have four, one goal, four, zero, one losses at this point after nine games, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, if they could fix some small things, they could actually be a good team. But I'm not sure how they really do it at this point. I maybe don't watch enough of them, but they 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 looks like they still have the players to be a good team. They just need to figure out how to actually use them. They seem to be. I was actually out there for the match when they played the Toros, and they they have speed and they have good players, like you said. They just seem to be one cross away from a goal or one last pass away from a goal, which I know you can say that about a lot of teams in this league, but uh, they, they definitely seem to have the talent. I would, I would project them to trend upwards rather than downwards, you know, as you go through the season. Right. It might be, I think they lost Kasher in the off season, yep. who was a pretty good player for them. So maybe they're trying to figure out how to build the offense when he's not there. 
Reno two, Oklahoma City nil. Um, Kevin Partita in the sixty fourth, Lindo Mfeka um, in the eighty seventh. Not doing his team any favors. Miguel Gonzalez gets a red card, straight red in the thirty seventh, and and Reno is able to to finally capitalize on that. Uh, maybe they'll feel like it should have been more goals, but you get three points and a and a clean sheet at home, and you're not going to complain a whole lot. I don't think. Yeah, that's going to be a long term red. I think from watching that game, that was a elbow to the head it kind of swung in the direction of the head probably was so we look discipline's going to come out again i think he's probably he should get at least three games but mm. you never really know with the usl that's true and yeah. it was one of those this is another oklahoma city losing yet again i think if they kept all 11 players they might have got a draw to this because reno still doesn't look good after their offseason loss of their three best players yep but I mean, power to Reno. They go up, go up a man, and a man should grind out a 2 0 win, even though it took them probably longer than they needed to. And Oklahoma City is still looking for answers. Yeah, I mean, that was Oklahoma City's sixth consecutive loss in the league and haven't scored since they played Fresno and lost 2 to 1 on the road. In fact, their only one of the year was against Tulsa at the start, or 1 0 at home. And it's just, it's been downhill since then. And it doesn't look like it's going to get any easier over the next two matches, which will be come against Swope Park Rangers and Phoenix Rising at home. Hmm. I mean, I'll never get sick of watching OKC lose games after they eliminated us out of the playoffs last year. But, um, I mean, they had a lot of turnover in the season, coaching and players alike. So they're they're doing a lot of soul-searching, trying to find an identity for that team to kickstart things. And it they may end up being in the too little too late when it's all said and hmm. done by the end of the season here. Right. Mm-hmm. I could see him start turning around and around like game 25, but that that probably will be way too late <laughs> yeah. except to spoil a few teams' chances, which yeah, is also always true. interesting to watch. One team does it every year, catches fire around, what, like September, despite being well out of the playoffs and ruins a few people. Yep. Speaking of two little, no, not even, uh, next two games in the West had a little bit of uh, of, of cardiac finishes as well. Phoenix won, Fresno won in a game that I think if Fresno won this would be really interesting. Um, they've been super hot recently. Um, they'll get a point away against Phoenix, which I'm sure they're they're feeling all right about. Um, Amadou Dia for Phoenix gets sent off in the 26th minute, which I think is another reason why you know Phoenix getting the the point here off of a uh, Alessandro Rigi goal in the 90th is is huge for them. Yeah, Fresno is interesting. They actually are tied for the longest unbeaten streak in the league right now. I think they ran up to seven games with this draw, but they're up a man for almost the entire game, and they can't come away with a win on the road. They In those in those seven games, they only have two wins. It's a team who, again, like Colorado, where they seem to be just one or two pieces away or even just lineup tweaks away from being a really, really good team. I mean, they've been proven they're hard to beat. They only lost one game all season. But you can't lose on the road against a good team or can't draw on the road against a good team up a man, especially when you get the first goal of the game. At that point, you should either go for the second goal or bunker up a man. And Phoenix, this is a point earned for them in a game that I thought, especially after the Fresno goal, they were going to lose and throw more questions to how good Phoenix is. But it was a really good job for them to climb back in. And I think Phoenix is cementing themselves to the top two team in the West pretty quickly, especially with, especially with results like this. Mm. Yeah. You know, Larry Carson, what were the expectations that you guys had for, for Fresno coming into the season? And and obviously, I mean, again, like if, if you guys had a quarter for every time I said, Oh, it's still early. Um, but you know, is this a team that you think is going to really make themselves a, a threat in the West this year? I I don't know. They they looked good after I think the initial shock against Vegas that first mm. match. Um, they realistically probably should have came away with a draw on that one. But um, they again they have you know Juan Pablo Cafa who we know is a yep. legitimate player in this league. So I think I think they could end up being pretty decent. Maybe towards the middle of the playoff race. Phoenix is almost surprising to me. It's a good result to get a point being down a man most of the match, but. I feel like the talent they have and the explosive offensive players, they have not really impressed me in the attack so far. If that mm. you've had like Wes Drogba play like one match, maybe, but 
other than that, yeah, they've they've kind of disappointed me a little bit, despite obviously still being you know pretty decently high for the table. Fresno scares me. Okay. Fresno scares me a little bit. Um, they seem like one of those teams that if they're not in the playoffs, they could be the one that gets really hot right then or there at the end of the season and and ruins some lives when it comes to playoff seating. Um, San Antonio has been the only team to hold them to zero goals so far this season. And I will be perfectly content if we walk out of our game this weekend 0-0 again and just take the one point and move along there. They they mm. looked they looked pretty decent when we played them in that last game. Our defense managed to hold the line, but their attack was pressing all the time in that game. Yeah, I could see Fresno as the team who gets the eighth seed and knocks off the one seed in the first round pretty easily because they're not going to be easy out. No. And then uh, last game of last week, uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Sacramento and Tulsa, one-one uh, draw. Again, uh, goal in the second. Tulsa takes the lead, and then 89th minute, uh, Luis Espino gets a goal and and steals the uh, rescues. I guess the point for Sacramento at home. Yeah, Tulsa went up early. Seemed content to kind of hold back, play front, play on a few counters, and. Mostly just waste time for them for a long part of it. But Sacramento eventually managed to break them down late. It's one of those things. I think Tulsa is, again, better than the record says. They've kept it close against a lot of really good teams. Mm -hmm. And Sacramento probably is not as good as the record says. They've been lucky to get points a few times. They've gone down very early in multiple games for that first 20, 30 minutes. They look like they're sleepwalking for a lot of it. And they're going to get burned one day by some team putting two or three up on them in the first half. But all in all, I mean, this is a tale of kind of two teams who are both, I guess, an underrated and overrated team. It's It'll be interesting to see them both moving on. I think Tulsa's going to scrap the way back up the table a bit. Sacramento's not going to be the one seed. I think I said yesterday in the pod, I'm happy if they're the four seed. Mm-hmm. Being from Sacramento, that's completely fine. It's just, it's one of those where I think both teams are either, or Sacramento's just overperforming expectations for having a massive roster and coach turnover at the same time. Yeah, um, and then oh, U.S. Okay, um, Jake, we're gonna have some words. Listen, I I understand that there's a lot of games that get played in in a USL season, and there's in fact more this year than there was last year. That being said, I I don't think having Real Monarchs in Las Vegas or having um, what was it RGV and Reno kick off at like eight o'clock east, uh, you know, local time in the morning is really great. So, like, as much as you want to emulate the the British start times in the morning, especially on weekdays, let's not do that, please. Thank you. That being said, um, the three out of the four matches that happened this morning, I will say, had a, um, and again, for people that don't seem to get that I deadpan humor a lot, uh, this isn't a serious statement, but uh, uh, sort of... uh, protesting these start times because we had three straight nil-nil draws with Real Monarchs in Las Vegas playing to a nil-nil draw, Ottawa and New York playing to a nil-nil draw, and RGV and Reno playing to a nil-nil draw. Um, guys, I guess any thoughts on these three matches in total? Obviously, there was some fun firework things in Ottawa and New York in terms of red cards, but not a whole lot here in terms of attractive soccer. Yeah, that- Sorry, go ahead. That's all right, Ryan. You're you're out of the country. <laughs> I mean, I was watching the uh, Ottawa and New York match earlier today, and it seemed like Ottawa again. Like Tony said earlier, they're a first half team, and then the second half they just fell apart in the 66th minute. It was um, yeah, Chris Manella got into a very late tackle where he just like took a kick at um, one of the Red Bull players after the play was blown dead. And it just ensued into a shoving match where it actually got to hands in the face from Manila, and he was immediately sent off. And it just seemed like from there it unraveled for Ottawa, but they managed to somehow claw a point out of this match. And it just, it was curious why New York, for being up for nearly 24 minutes left in the game, that they couldn't score. I mean, they were granted a few very good saves from the Ottawa keeper. It's just, it seems weird that. Just they had the advantage pretty much for the entire second half, and they just couldn't get anything out of it. Yeah, this game is why I've been low on Red Bulls compared to 
basically mm-hmm. everyone else I've talked to. They now have three draws against teams they probably should have got at least seven points against, if not all nine. And if they, I know they're up and down team, but you can't have three straight downs against three teams who are not great sides. I'm concerned about them in the long run. Maybe Ottawa's figuring it out a little bit, but it's, it's Ottawa. They still have to play for an entire 90 minutes. If they're playing a 60-minute game, they'd probably be a maybe even a mid-table team at this no, point. No, it, listen, it's like I said yesterday, 45 minutes in Canada is 90 in, in, in the United States. Ah, the conversion rate kills them every time. Right. It's it's a killer. That's why yeah. you always take your vacations up there, because time moves faster. Yeah, that that Vegas match on Monday night, I mean, what a, what a way to open a new beautiful stadium than on a Monday night uh, <laughs> with a nil-nil draw. But, right, yeah. Um, definite red card early for Vegas. Um, as, as clear cut of a nine of scoring chances you could have. The one, the most interesting moment for me was um, Sammy Ochoa, to me, was onside on the header. I don't know if anyone else saw that, yeah. but was he onside for sure? Um, I think he was. It was, I mean, there's no good camera angle for that, but there never it is. like he probably was. Never is. No, never. From the bad camera angle, yes, he was onside. Yeah, I, I thought he was too, and that would have been a, a crazy late steal of three points for Vegas uh, against Real Monarchs in their debut in Zion's Bank Stadium, but instead it was a nil-nil draw, and I, I mean, you play most of the match against the, arguably the best team in the West and come away with a point, it's pretty good, but uh, that would have been, been a nice little steal there at the end. Yeah, and again, Vegas, look at the stats. What you think happened did not happen. No. I mean, if you saw those numbers, or you think it's like a 3-0-1 for Monarchs, if not more. But... Maybe it, there'll be like a long con that comes out. It's like David Copperfield was in charge of Vegas this whole time. And his whole thing is like, yeah, look at all these numbers. And then it's like, oh, they actually weren't there. And also I moved that Statue of Liberty that has the Golden Knights lo- jersey and the on it. Just, and the team just disappears at the end the of the season. The team just disappears. They never, never existed. You yeah. had, had the manager and technical director disappear. So maybe yeah. you're onto something. Now they're Tigers. Next week they'll be Tigers. Oh, they'll be Tigers. That'll be terrifying. Oh my god. Tigers instead of llamas? Maybe the llamas are tigers. The llamas are actually uh, two very small tigers in a suit. Well, no, but I mean, what's what's the the USL is going to come out with a statement tomorrow in their disciplinary report and they'll go, you know, in light of recent events in Las Vegas, we have now just surrounded the field with tigers and like a moat. So if any fans want to get involved, they have to, you know, basically risk their life to do so. Problem solved. Oh, Las Vegas how will happen. Simple. Yeah. They're giving out luchador masks on Saturday. I'm pretty excited about that. Damn. That'd be hot. I guess it's kind of Vegas. A little bit, yeah. Speaking of things that were hot, FC Cincinnati 3, Indy 11-2 in Indy um, in what might be the most entertaining match of this week, maybe? Um, Kenny Walker starts things off with a penalty kick in the seventh minute. The official felt bad, so Yosi got his in the 30th minute, tied it up at, at – oh, no, sorry – I can't read. Uh, Jack Mack scores in the 24th minute. I love that Jack Mack and Ernie's in USL as a sidebar. He'll do well here. Uh, Iozzi gets a goal in the 30th. Jimmy McLaughlin ties it up right before half. And then you boy Corbin Bone in the 55th. And since he get the uh, the three points on the road here. I just want to say that. Corbin Bone in High School Musical? Yes. <laughs> he, he was. That is correct. He's a former Wilmington Hammerhead player as well. That was after High School Musical. <laughs> I mean, I just want to say the um, PK that um, I was he scored off of. That was a very weak call in the box. As soon as he, he, he saw it, he went down very easily in the box. I don't think it was a PK, and that the ref probably shouldn't have given out a PK. But nonetheless, Cincinnati walks away with three points here and currently sit in second place of the Eastern Conference at the moment, only two points behind rivals Louisville. They're going to have to get in a first place spot by not playing Louisville and hoping that Louisville messes up somewhere, right? Well, they actually tend to do okay against Louisville. It's the other good teams they tend to struggle against for some reason. But I don't know. This is an interesting game for last few for Cincinnati, where right when their offense is showing up, their defense is unshowing up. They're going away. I mean, they've given up multiple goals in back to back games here, or not 
well, ignoring the Ottawa game, which is basically a bye week as it is at this point, uh, multiple wow. goals in back-to-back games against good teams. And they've scored multiple goals in back-to-back games against good teams. Mm-hmm. So if, if they need to figure out something because if they are giving up two goals to Indy and Pittsburgh, they're going to get destroyed by teams like Tampa and Louisville because they're yeah. much better offenses. But at the same time, it's nice to see them scoring. If they could work out their defense, Cincinnati's going to really solidify themselves as one of the top teams. Right now, I've had them in between the elite teams and the, well, maybe if they get hot at the right time, they're definitely getting in that top group of four, though. I mean, Cincinnati's, again, top four team. Now they seem to prove themselves against the best of the best, which they still haven't quite pulled off this season. They'll have a few more chances coming up here soon, and that might be how Cincinnati's season breaks either way. Fair enough. That's the way the Coney crumbles. Something like that, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, that was too good. Guys, I, I think we did it. I think that was everything. Congratulations. Um, hey, Larry, where can people find you on the Twitters and, and things and things? Um, they can find us. At, well, every Thursday night we record live on Periscope. Um, we're on Twitter at, at Texas Soccer Radio. Um, my my screen name is at Larry Leathers eighty seven. Um, my partner in crime, Kyle Mankey, is at Kyle underscore Mankey. Um, yeah, once again, every Thursday night. So tomorrow night at nine p.m. Central, we will be uh, recording another episode. Right on. Always good work from you guys. And that's so no, he's not related to the Pokemon Mankey either. That is. Ooh, very good. <laughs> You're not the first person to make that joke about him, and there's definitely been people that have called him by that before. I'm actually a big fan. I have to say this while we have Larry Live. I'm a big fan of their Periscope feed. Um, super crisp, super good stuff. So I know they, he said he gets drunk and wings it, but I'm a big fan. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. We've we've uh, put a lot of work into trying to put out a yeah. good product this season. You might get drunk and wing the actual like words and stuff on the podcast, but it all sounds really great. So. I mean, we. The other thing about me and Kyle is we've also known each other for oh god, the better part of ten years now. So it's it's pretty easy at this point. Fair, but uh, I appreciate the the good words, guys. Thanks oh, for having me stars. on. Hey Carson, where can people find you and stuff? They can find me pretty much everywhere uh, at Carson Amerk on Twitter. <laughs> Wait, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. I thought you were just going to be like at the supermarket. Sometimes I go to like Kohl's. Yeah, you, I mean, you can find me next to Llama enclosure yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um no I, I I there's a lot of usl in my life which i think is a good good thing and also a bad thing but i'm at at carson a merck at switch play sock uh, i cover the lights and the toros so if you're interested in either team feel free to follow me i enjoy twitter banter as well so hey pony where can people find you on twitter and where can cincinnati fans get more mad about us but like only tell you about it. He's been kind of positive about Cincinnati. I know. I've been at least neutral, treating positive. Last year I was not as much, but for good reason. (laughs) See, now here comes the negativity again. We're right back where we started. (laughs) But Twitter, as always, at Iron Pony Chef. Like Ryan, I also do work for at Blurbs and Donald Say Soccer. So catch our more stat-based writing over there for those who like numbers. Ryan, where can people find you and what airport will you be landing at? Well, yeah, when you return to the, the States eventually. You can find me on Twitter at ILM underscore Ryan, typically just doing uh, Scottish football matches, but I will soon be returning to the States, flying into your neck of the woods, Evan, Philadelphia, before landing back oh, in Raleigh. So it didn't, it didn't work with the Twitter joke because Philadelphia's airport sign is PHL because it makes sense. Yeah. All right. Well, that happens. Uh, if for whatever reason you wanted to hear more of me, well, you can't hear more of me, but if you wanted to interact with me more or get more of my opinions at Valella, it's VS and Victor, I-L-L-E-L-L-A-B-S-F-C on the Twitters um, or, uh, or at Brotherly Game for the, the righty things and the, and the match day tweets. Uh, this show you can find, uh, well, the USLshow.com is a really easy spot. You can check out our Patreon. You can check out our friends at Soccer Loco. Um, hey, DK, how's it going? Um, and then, uh, where else on Twitter at the USL show, if you have questions or want to tell us how much you don't like us for only referring to Cincy as attendance FC yesterday, feel free. 
Um, we'll take any kind of thoughts or criticisms or anything like that. But uh, yeah, and then uh, and then real quick, just to plug our show yesterday, we had a uh, Brady Ballou on, who was a former Tulsa Roughneck midfielder, and uh, he sat down and graciously told us that we weren't too far off in terms of the power rankings, which was, I think, just him flattering us more than anything. He um, was really good. He was incredible, right? Yeah, I was. I was. I was impressed. Yeah, so were we. Players can transition that quickly and that he was he was good a lot of uh good insight from a player's perspective of somebody barely removed from the game so for sure for sure yeah i mean you know that's a guy that's played a lot of these teams recently so um and a really big uh semi-pro fan so if you like that movie check check out that episode because he makes a ton of references so um guys for uh, for carson larry pony and ryan this has been evan lull and we'll talk to you guys uh, next week take care